Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from the book of Esther about Mordecai's sacrifice and strategy to encourage Esther, and Esther's loyalty, determination, and decision to go to the king to save the Jewish people. This message is available for free download on iTunes or at friendshipwithgod.org. Now, our 2014 new resource that we've put together for you is Frequently Asked Questions by Jewish People, Prophecy and Fulfillments of the Lord Jesus Christ, and How a Jew Came to Know and Put His Trust in the Jewish Messiah. Three amazing books from Tom Cantor, all put into one book and one resource. It's a great study guide. It's also a great devotional resource tool. Answers many questions that you can study about doctrinal topics, such as do the Hebrew Scriptures support the triunity of the Godhead? Is it possible for a man to see God, the Son? How can the Jewish Messiah be identified? And what's the difference between a Gentile and a Christian? And what's the difference between Israel and the church? A lot of these doctrinal questions and Bible issues are brought up in this book and are easily discerned with Scripture, a great study resource, a great tool that's good for witnessing to Jewish people. Get it today, 1-800-247-3051. Call us at one 800 247 3051. Now, this new resource is a $30 or more donation to be able to obtain it. But again, we've got limited supplies and quantities of these, and it helps support this radio ministry as well as Jewish evangelism with a matching donation to Israel Restoration Ministries. So call us today at 1 800 247 3051 before or after the program. And again, a $30 or more donation to help support Jewish evangelism and this radio program. Now, here's Tom Cantor with today's teaching from the book of Esther. Pray. Father, what we have in our hands this morning is your record of what happened 2,500 years ago. But by your Spirit this morning, you're able to take each one of us into that scene, into that place. And we pray, Lord, that we would this morning stand in the shoes of Mordecai, of Esther, and see what God did for them and come out being so encouraged, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Esther chapter 4, verse 1. When Mordecai perceived all that was done, Mordecai rent his clothes and put on sackcloth with ashes, and went out into the midst of the city and cried with a loud and bitter cry, and came even before the king's gate, for none might enter the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. And in every province, whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, There was great mourning among the Jews, and fasting and weeping and wailing, for many lay in sackcloth and ashes. So Esther's maids and her chamberlains came and told it to her. Then was the queen exceedingly grieved, and she sent raiment to clothe Mordecai and to take away his sackcloth from him, but he received it not. Then called Esther for Hattach one of the king's chamberlains whom he had appointed to attend upon her and gave him a commandment to Mordecai to know what it was and why it was. So Haddock went forth to Mordecai into the street of the city, which was before the king's gate. And Mordecai told him of all that had happened unto him and of the sum of the money that Haman had promised to pay to the king's treasuries for the Jews to destroy them. Also, he gave him a copy, the copy of the writing of the decree that was given at Shushan to destroy them, to show it unto Esther and to declare unto her and to charge her that she should go in unto the king to make supplication unto him and to make request before him for her people. 
And Haddock came and told Esther the words of Mordecai. Again Esther spake unto Haddock and gave him commandment unto Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces do know that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come unto the king into the inner court who is not called, there is one law of his to put him to death, except such as to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter that he may live. But I have not been called to come in unto the king these thirty days. And they told to Mordecai Esther's words. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed, and who knoweth? whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther bade them, Return, Mordecai, this answer. Go gather all the Jews that are present in Shushan, and fast ye for me, and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise, and so will I go unto the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther had commanded him. Now, what has happened up to this point is very interesting, is that we have seen a terrible plan that was thought up, that was chosen, the dates were chosen, it was put in place to destroy Mordecai and all the Jews, the people of Mordecai. And this was an extermination plan. And it was put together by Haman, approved by the king, with an edict that could not be changed. And all this was done, and Mordecai knew nothing about it. But of course, God knew about it. But this was a plan to destroy Mordecai and all of his people. It was not just a plan to destroy God's people. This was a plan to destroy the people that God would use to bring the Messiah, to bring into the world the Savior, save Anyone in the world, God's Savior for the world. And Haman thought that he was so wise, and he had used that gambling, that casting of purr to choose the exact month, and then the exact day, and he had this understanding, and it was, in his mind, perfect. And he had promised the sum of money, and it was all Haman's wisdom, and it was all Haman's understanding, and it was all Haman's counsel against the Lord. And Proverbs 21.30 said, There is no wisdom, nor understanding, nor counsel against the Lord. But this plan was all formulated. It was already in action through this unchangeable edict by the king by the time Mordecai found out about it. It was already in place. And we just can't imagine what this meant for Mordecai when he heard about it. You know, these words at the beginning of this chapter, Mordecai perceived all that was done paraphrase, this hit him like a ton of bricks. This just knocked him over. It hit him so hard. This was the first time that he knew anything about it. And it was already in place. And what did he do? He tears his clothes and he puts on burlap sacks. He puts on sackcloth and ashes and he goes out and he openly cries. And he shows as he does this, why does he put on the burlap sacks and why does he put on the ashes? Because he's showing his reliance on God. Mordecai knew that this was a problem. This was too great for Mordecai. 
Mordecai could not solve this problem. And if it was going to come help for Mordecai, it was going to come from one place and one source alone, and that was God. And so Mordecai putting on the sackcloth and this ashes, that was Mordecai saying, my hope is in God alone. He was making a statement that on earth he had no help. And on earth, all he had was sackcloth and ashes, but his help had to come from God. This was exactly what David expressed. And turn, if you would, please, to Psalm 121, verses 1 through 8. Psalm 121, verses 1 through 8. This is what David said. Exactly the same thing. Psalm 121, verses 1 through 8. 121. David had many times when he was in the thick of it. But in this particular time, he writes this. He says, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills. From whence cometh my help? My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee. From all evil, he shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and forevermore. This psalm, which Mordecai had, expressed exactly what uh, Mordecai was feeling. This psalm is a special psalm because it's a prayer that calls on God to help when there is no other help on earth. And there's one word that's used over and over again. There's one word that's used in this psalm more than any other word. There's a one word that stands out. It appears six times in this psalm. It's translated keepeth. It's translated keeper. It's translated preserve. It's the same word. It's the same Hebrew word that's used, and it's really the theme of this psalm. And that word, which we've seen before, is the word shamar which means to guard or to keep. We saw that word before in Genesis 2.15 when God told Adam, Adam, he took man, he put him in the garden of Eden, and he told Adam, Adam, you are to dress and keep, guard this garden. That word shamar was also used for watchmen in Isaiah 62.6. God said, I have set watchmen, I have set shamar. Upon thy walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace, day nor night, you that make mention of the Lord, keep not silence. So this psalm, when you look at it, it says, He that shamar keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that shamar keepeth Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy shamar keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. Verse 7, the Lord shall shamar preserve thee from all evil. He shall shamar preserve thy soul. The Lord shall shamar preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth even forevermore. See what what, um, Mordecai was saying. He was saying by putting on these sackcloths and these ashes. I'm relying on the God who keeps. I'm relying on the God who guards. I'm relying on the God who preserves. And it was that one word, shamar. And so he was not afraid. Mordecai was not afraid for others to see that he was depending on God for his help. Mordecai went into the middle of the street. And in the middle of the street, he cries out with a loud and bitter cry. And in verse 4, there's so much troubles 
Queen Esther, it says she's exceedingly grieved that she immediately sends clothes for Mordecai so that he, his sackcloths would come off him and these new clothes would go on him. But Mordecai received it not. He refused to take off the sackcloth. Those are very important words in verse 4. He received it not. It shows that Mordecai was not going to give up his reliance on God. He was not going to give up his prayer to God. By wearing the sackcloth and ashes, Mordecai was humbling himself. He was humbling himself. Humbling. He was making himself low by wearing that. And in Psalm 51, 17, we read, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. Mordecai needed God's help. He needed God's help. And he knew that when God looks and sees a broken spirit and he sees a low, contrite heart, God doesn't despise that. That's who God is. Mordecai knew that the way to have God answer his prayer was to make himself low. Because he knew God looks to the person who makes himself low, who humbles himself. God resists the proud, James says. He gives grace to the humble. And it's amazing how much God responds to a person who humbles himself. It reminds us of King Ahab. King Ahab. Here was a man who got the prize, according to the Bible. The Bible says that he got the prize for being the king of Israel that did the most wickedness. Such a prize no one should have. There was no other king that did more wickedness in Israel than King Ahab. And when the prophet Elijah told Ahab that God was going to judge him, Ahab humbled himself. And it's the most amazing thing. If you like to turn to it, you can. Otherwise, you note it down or you just believe you mean. Anyways, it says in 1 Kings 21, 25 through 29, something that's it's amazing. It reads like this. But there was none like unto Ahab, which did sell himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord, whom Jezebel his wife stirred up. And he did very abominably in following idols, according to all things as did the Amorites, whom the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. And it came to pass, when Ahab heard those words, what words? The words that he was going to be judged. When he came to pass, when he heard those words, that he rent his clothes, he tore them, and he put sackcloth upon his flesh and fasted and lay in sackcloth, and then it says, and went softly, became very, very low. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Seest thou how Ahab humbleth himself before me? God. God was impressed. God looked at Ahab and he said, Do you see how he's humbled himself? Because he humbleth himself before me, I will not bring the evil in his days, but in his son's days I'll bring the evil upon their house. God so responded to this wicked king because he humbled himself. And it's, it so much caught God's attention that he goes to Elijah and he says, did you see it? Did you see that? Isn't that something? That Ahab humbles himself. And because he humbled himself as wicked as he was, God postponed the judgment. You know, in the people of Nineveh, when Jonah came and preached the message to them, and the people wanted to express to God that they took his warning to heart, that they repented of their evil ways, they repented of their sins, what did they do? It says in Jonah 3, 5, So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. That's amazing. We just don't know how powerful it is when we make ourselves low. We don't know. 
You know, the world, someone has said, the world is yet to see a person who's wholly sold out to God. The world is yet to see what happens to a man who makes himself so low before God, humbles himself. It's powerful, but Mordecai did. And even though he was the cousin of Queen Esther, and even though the queen herself had sent clothes to Mordecai to replace his sackcloth and ashes, Mordecai received it not. And Mordecai knew his help was going to come from God if he was going to have help because he knew the truth of Isaiah 57, 15, where God says, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. When we need help, When we need help from the high and lofty one, the one who inhabits eternity, the holy one, the course of action is to become contrite, which means, in this case, crushed and humble or low. And Mordecai knew the secret. He knew this secret, and there was no way that Mordecai was going to take off that sackcloth and ashes, even if Queen Esther had sent him new clothes. No way. Because Mordecai was not putting on a show for other people. He wasn't making himself low for others' sake because he didn't want sympathy or help from man. He was making himself low for God. And he was expecting help from God. And I don't want to give you the impression that Mordecai just sort of did all this and sat in a corner in depression and inactivity. He was very active. He had a very loud cry, if nothing else. And he did not allow himself to sink into a state of despair and depression. On the other hand, he didn't become indifferent and just say, oh, well, God's sovereign, so que sera, sera. And he was not fatalistic, Mordecai. He was diligent in his sorrow. And he was diligent and he was purposeful as he shut himself up to God and he would not change his stand. Now, when the word came back to Esther that Mordecai was not going to receive the clothes that she sent, then Queen Esther sent a command to the servant to tell Mordecai in verse 5. And her command was two words, tell me what and tell me why. She didn't know either. It's amazing. She didn't know either. All this was done so secretly that by the time it was all done, it was done, and nobody really kind of knew about it. But anyway, she said, what is it and why is it? What it was and why it was. So Mordecai, in verse 7, he first tells her why. He starts with the why. Well, this is what it means. And Mordecai told him of all that had happened unto him. Mordecai explained, it's all my fault. Everything is my fault. I refuse to bow to Haman. And because of that, Haman hates me. And because he hates me, he hates my people. And that's why. And then he goes to explain the what, which is the Jews, verse 7. The Jews, to destroy them. Uh, Well, okay, so he's described the what and the why. And then she didn't ask for it, but he says, I'll also describe the how. And the how was, as all this possible, is also in verse 7. He was very impressed, Mordecai was, with the sum of money that Haman had promised to pay to the king's treasuries for the Jews to destroy them. How is this all going to happen? Well, look at all this money that's been promised. So Mordecai evidently had some inside information that was not part of the decree. I don't think the decree said the sum of money that Haman had promised to pay to the king, but he knew this. 
And so after Mordecai had told Queen Esther the what of the destruction of the Jewish people, the why of Haman's hatred against him and against the Jewish people, the how by paying the millions of dollars for the destruction of the Jewish people, then Mordecai did something he never would have dreamed that he ever would have done in the past. I mean, let's remind ourselves a little bit of the relationship between Mordecai and Esther. Look back a couple chapters to chapter 2, verse 7, Esther 2, verse 7, and see what it says here. It's amazing when you put this in the context of uh, what we're talking about. Esther 2, verse 7, it says, And he, this is Mordecai, brought up Hadassah, that's her Jewish name, Hadassah, that is Esther, that's her non-Jewish name, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother, and the maid was fair and beautiful. She was knockout beautiful. Whom Mordecai, when her father and mother were dead, took for his own daughter. His own daughter. There was a very special relationship between Mordecai and Esther. When Esther's parents died, Mordecai took her for his own daughter. Mordecai saw Esther as his own daughter. Mordecai loved Esther as his own daughter. Mordecai protected Esther as his own daughter. Mordecai taught Esther as his own daughter. And then look at verse 10, Esther chapter 2, verse 10. Esther had not showed her people nor her kindred, for Mordecai had charged her that she should not show it. Esther respected Mordecai. She respected Mordecai as her own father. She trusted Mordecai as her own father. She obeyed Mordecai without question as her own father. And when Mordecai told Esther not to reveal that she was Jewish, Esther obeyed Mordecai implicitly without any questions. She never showed that she was Jewish. Now look at verse 11, Esther 2, verse 11. And Mordecai walked every day before the court of the woman's house to know how Esther did and what should become of her. These words tell us how much Mordecai loved Esther as his own daughter. Mordecai walked every day in front of the courtyard to the king's woman's house, the place where Esther was. Esther was going there walking every day. Sorry, Mordecai. Mordecai was going walking there every day. Mordecai was going crazy. He was going crazy as he walked back and forth in front of that with one desire. He wanted to know how she was. Was she being cared for? He worried over Esther every day. He worried over her health. He worried about her care. He worried if she was being defiled. She worried about her morality. And from the day that Esther was taken out of his house, into this heathen king's house, because of her beauty, that she should be a candidate for the queen, Mordecai walked back and forth, worrying for her to find out how she was. Mordecai was worried every day what became of his daughter, Esther. And why did he walk every day in front of that house? Because of the special fatherly love that Mordecai had for Esther. Because for Mordecai, Esther was his most precious possession, his precious treasure, should say, on earth. He would do anything to keep her from harm. He would die to keep Esther from harm. Mordecai would never, never think of exposing Esther to danger. Esther, it says in verse 20, chapter 2, verse 20, 
Esther had not yet showed her kindred nor her people as Mordecai had charged her. For Esther did the commandment of Mordecai like as when she was brought up with him. We see here that Esther still all this time, and we're talking about years, had gone by. She had not told anyone that she was Jewish. Tom, as we've been studying Esther, all of this is leading up to her trying to get the king to repent or change his mind of the decree to kill the Jews. Now, God and man do have some similarities with repentance, but what is the difference between God's and man's repentance? Now, this is the key here, because man repents for sin, but God does not repent for sin, because the verse that we looked at today in Numbers twenty three nineteen says, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. In other words, we saw in Genesis that God repented. It said he repented God that he made man. But this verse, when it says that God should not repent, he's talking about in the context of being a liar, in the context of being a sinful man. God is not a sinful man. God is not a lying man, neither the son of man, that he should repent for that because God doesn't lie. God doesn't sin. So God does not repent for sin. But on the other hand, man Man sins enough, plenty. And so therefore, man repents for sin, and God does not repent for sin. How do we know that? Because it says in Luke 13, 5, where the Lord Jesus Christ was speaking about the absolute necessity. There's no other option. He said, this must be. And he said in Luke 13, 5, I tell you, nay, But except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. In other words, he says, without repentance, it means to perish. Except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. So it's absolutely necessary for man to repent. Why? Because he's a sinner. Because he's sinful. And so man needs to repent for his sin. But by contrast, God does not repent for his sin because God doesn't sin. Thank you for joining Tom Cantor in the Friendship with God radio program today. At the front of our program, we mentioned our resource, The Frequently Asked Questions, Prophecy and Fulfillments, and Tom Cantor's testimony, all in one book. For $30 or more, call us if you'd like that resource, 1-800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or go to friendshipwithgod.org. Thanks for listening.